Welcome to All Things Tibet, a podcast hosted by Taylor and Brittany. We'll be coming to you with brand new episodes every Tuesday. If you want to tweet along as you listen, feel free to use the hashtag AllThingsTibetPod. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back to All Things Tibet Podcast. This is episode 20. I'm Brittany. 20! I'm, I'm Taylor. And today we are talking about uh, Heaven Dino- and Hell. The Dinosaur episode. Dinosaur episode is season one, episode 12, called Looking Back of the original series. And we're going to talk a little bit today about the premiere of Gen Q, season two, episode one. Yes. And the reason why we're going to talk about that is because Taylor and I were graciously invited to a early virtual premiere that took place on Thursday evening, a couple hours before the actual episode went live. Shout out to Francesca for that invite. And we had a spectacular time with a number of our friends. We got what was a virtual suite. We hung out all night with our people. We talked, you know, at length about our predictions for season two, along with other things that have to do with being a L-word slash Tibet fan. But also, one of the very cool things that happened, in addition to being able to see the episode early, is that we actually got to virtually meet Leo Shang and Leisha Haley. Yeah, that was surreal. Yes. I feel like we have to tell the story of how Leisha Haley happened, because it's very funny and ridiculous and kind of hilarious. Yes, go ahead, you can tell it. Okay, so basically what happened is that Leo was adorable and amazing, and he popped in, like, right before the episode started, and Brittany accosted him with a Tibet <laughs> question. <laughs> sure did. Every chance I and get. And would not let it go, no matter what. Yep. I think um, the question I specifically asked was, are you pro-Tibet? Or yeah. are you a Tibet fan? Are you pro-Tibet? I think you said this is a very pro-Tibet group. Are you team Tibet? That's right. There you go. And the panic that flashed across the poor guy's face was like, oh, God, I am fired. Um, (laughs) And he actually had a very cute answer. I think he was like, I'm team happiness and team love. Yep. Yeah. He pulled a Jennifer Beals and he certainly bypassed having to give yeah. a very truthful and honest answer to that question. Anyway. She's clearly trained him well. Yes. But so then the episode started and we were watching it for a while and we were about like halfway through, I think. And the, the it G- was the Gigi and Bat, like when they had when they realized that they were the each other's blind dates had just yeah. like had just cut to a scene where Shane was on the phone and all of a sudden, Leisha Haley is in our hear this. Hi. Yeah. And we, what? because Shane was on the phone, were like, oh, okay, Shane called Alice. Why is Alice so excited to talk to Shane? This is really weird. Okay, whatever. And then I looked down and we were all on like video, and I saw an entire Leisha Haley face just in our chat room with us and 
proceeded to start hyperventilating. Yes. And all, so all of us are on mute because yeah. the show is going on because like we are, we are finally watching episode one of season two. We've waited how long for this to happen? A year and a half. And then Leisha is there. So we're all very conflicted. So like all these people who had spent the whole evening, not even being on camera, jumped up on camera. Everybody was like at full attention, like, oh my God, it's you. What the hell is happening? Yeah. And she's just very casually like, so how are you liking it so far? And we were just screaming. We were like, is there a Dana reference this season? And then I don't think like we understood any of the answer. Because we were all losing our shit. Yeah. And then she was like, okay, bye. And then left. And that was it. Yeah. Because her scene with Nat was like on the horizon when like she like basically tries to initiate sex with Nat and Nat falls asleep on the couch. So, yeah, that was, it was such a fun night, though. We had so much fun. We did. We did. Until Showtime literally kicked us out because we stayed too long. Yeah, we tried to, like, stay in the suite and just kick it, and they they booted us out. So, again, thank you so much to Francesca for including us in that. And, uh, yeah, we have watched episode one um, a few times. I know I have. Have you watched a few times? And, um... Tina Kennard, Laurel Holloman is back. She was in episode one. We know she'll also be in at least three more episodes this season. Um, yes. And we finally got to see Rosie O'Donnell as Carrie. And God damn it, I liked her. I know, I know. We were just talking about this before we came on uh, to record that uh, I really wanted to dislike Carrie. Like, I really just wanted to dislike her. I'm not like a humongous fan of Rosie O'Donnell in general. And I've never really been like, super drawn to anything she's done as far as acting but she is really playing the hell out of that character and uh you know really holding her own against bet which is yeah very interesting to see oh it's so interesting to see i love it you know but what we've seen from the previews and discussions and interviews and all these things all these things that are out there now that the show has started again is that you know they're gonna really explore this biological piece of Angie's life that she's very interested in. And we've seen from the preview that Rosie, or I'm sorry, Carrie makes a statement that she understands because she's adopted too. And that her head basically, you know, spins off of her neck and uh, she's very offended by that. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing that scene with Tina and Carrie and Bat and Angie. I assume Angie's in the room, but if not, the three of them. Yeah, it's gonna be. Whew, it's gonna be heated. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a whole lot, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, and yeah, I I agree. I think Rosie's playing the heck out of it, and I said this on the night we watched the episode, but I think it's really interesting that they found a way somehow to simultaneously lean into Rosie's typecast and completely against it at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I find it fascinating. Yeah. I just think it's really interesting that she's still got that kind of like tomboyish Rosie O'Donnell energy, but she's also a total dork, which is so not what I'm used to from her at all. Oh, completely. 
yeah, I think she's actually kind of endearing and I don't really know what to do with that because I was not expecting that from Carrie at all. So yeah, well, and I, and I, Angie likes her a lot. Angie likes Carrie, um, which I think that really shows like the, like Tina in Carrie or I'm sorry, the Tina in Angie because she's so accepting of her and like warm welcoming, even though she clearly expressed in season one that she thought her moms would get back together. Yeah. Um, And so like I have said, I've had a lot of obviously discussions. I know you have too with our friends in the fandom and Tibet lovers about like what the future holds for them. And I know they're really trying to throw us off track with these interviews like that no one will answer the goddamn question if if tina and bet like hold a chance which is not yeah. which is not abnormal like they didn't do it in the original series either no like how many times they were on again off again on again off again but like all the comments Jen- jennifer's making like Beth's really trying to let tina go yeah like, yeah exactly we see so, you jennifer so like in a lot of ways like i love tibet and i course would love to see them back together but I'm also just like enjoying how this is playing out and I'm excited to see like how they handle life with a almost adult daughter divorced in these separate relationships Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing jealous Tina but I'm just trying to like take it take it as it comes because like many folks are getting like really like disheartened and like losing all hope and like I'm I'm not there yet I just think that like we're gonna be in for a bumpy ride oh yeah for sure I mean we also have to remember that like we're only gonna have Carrie for two more episodes yeah like we're a third of the way done people yeah. like it's okay yeah so uh yeah I think I think it's just, it's going to be a ride. I, and I'm so much more excited about it having seen this episode now. For sure. I think the thing I said actually to Leisha when she asked about the episode was that it was everything I could have wanted and more. For sure. Because it really was, after all of that waiting, like even the newbie storylines. hmm was like the way they resolved that love triangle was fascinating the Mm -hmm. way it was just it was so good and i really think that the tibet angle of things the angie angle of things i think it's gonna be intense and a roller coaster but i i really think it's gonna be fine and i think possibly the clearest clearest example of that is do you think that's okay and the fact that in her very first episode as britney has been saying the entire fucking time carrie already knows she already knows and as for actual our our little baby angel tina canard has no idea that anyone remotely find her attractive or that the woman who she spent the better part of two decades with might still have feelings for her after she left. Yeah. Tina, come on. Read the room. <laughs> no, I know. Literally I'm... read the room. Yeah, actually, though. The very first kiss that Bet had with Gigi, she pulled away to see if Tina was watching. Yeah. Yeah. 
So anyway, that's a little bit about what we've seen so far present day Tibet, but we are looking back at past Tibet and uh, we're, as we know, very dark time in season one. This particular episode is the dinosaur episode where Tina joins Dana, Alice, Shane, and Jenny. Yeah, the dinosaur episode, which is called Looking Back. Yeah, exactly. So Tina is with them the whole episode on this uh, trip to dinosaur. Dana has a engagement that she has to do there. She's, I don't know, speaking or getting an award. So I'm doing some shit. She's being recognized. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. And this episode is actually, even though it's very painful because this is when Bette and Candace really start like the physical part of their affair. I like this episode because we get to see the first, the first meeting of Tina and Bette. So uh, yeah, why don't we jump right in? Yeah. You know what else I like about this episode, which I forgot about, is that, which when you put it in context, actually makes it really sad but when you don't is actually kind of nice is that tina's so happy this episode she's so for sort of the first time i think since the miscarriage she is just up and giggly and just happy to be with her friends and she's kind of free in a way that not only have we not seen since the miscarriage, but I don't think we've really seen in the series sure. thus far. Yeah. One of the, th- the first notes I made about this episode is that Tina is very passionate about a high five when her and Shane high five in the planet at the start of the episode. Very much gave me season six vibes when her yes. and Alice high five at the table. Was it Alice? Yeah, it was Alice, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, have like yeah. the image of like Tina Gwen like that with her. When they're when Tina's actually involved in one of the crazy plans for yeah. once. Yes. Um, I also love that Tina invited Jenny to go with them. Yeah. Like that's just such a Tina move when she's like she's all by herself. Like yeah, that's my Tina. And it, as much as like it is super disheartening that we are seeing like. Tina's so happy and she's like reflecting fondly on their love story and like you know Bet is off fucking gallivanting starting this affair it also it also does like it's a lot of very powerful symbolism in the fact that like Tina and Bet are never on the same fucking page like yep they could not be like further light years away from each other in this episode as far yeah. as like their contentment in their relationship, their feelings. Tina so clearly like misses Beth the whole time she's gone. Like she has, was thinking about her the whole time. She's this, she's that. And like Beth is so fucking distracted by this woman who she just met at Kit's show. Yep. So, yep. you know, there's a lot of things that are like, that get on my nerves that happen here and the way that like Beth reacts to Tina over the phone and things. But I also am just like, I feel like Beth's mind was made up as soon as Candace came to the CAC. Oh, for sure. It happened. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Again, it's kind of like we were talking about this like a couple episodes ago that like Beth really kind of took on the submissive role in this affair with Candace. And she was just waiting for Candace to make the move. Yep. Yep. Because that's what she wanted. 
from this. And as soon as she did, Bet was like, yep, go for it. That's what I've been waiting for. So Candace shows up at the CAC and they're having this conversation because Candace is going to do some work for the provocation show, blah, blah, blah. And they're talking about that triangle when, you know, Candace says like, you know, you can have it fast and cheap or slow and expensive or this or that, blah, blah, whatever she's trying to like prove to bet about, you know, her bid because it was $50 higher than the highest bid that she already had. And Candace says in, in like response to one of them that you can have it cheap. What did she say? You can have it cheap and, um, Oh, was it when she said you're going to be bumping up against that yeah. carpenter for she a better said, part yeah. of the year? Yeah. 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 That's not some fucking foreshadowing. I don't know what is. Yep. Because it's exactly what Bet was doing. She was bumping up against a fucking carpenter for months. Yep. For months. Yep. For months. Well, and I believe what Bet said was, that's what I want. Yeah. Fucking A, Bet. Yep. Yep. I would also just like to say that um, as a theater major, the fact that Candace did tech in college makes me feel deeply, deeply betrayed. (laughs) Just as a small side note. Yeah. I heard her say that and I was like, why did you have to tarnish my people like that, Candace? Well, and so when Tina calls Bet, when they speak on the phone for the first time and Bet and, and Candace are having dinner, you know, Bet answers the phone like, hey, you know, she's real quiet about it in the hall. Yeah. And Tina's so concerned about Bet, like making sure she's resting and making sure that like she's like ready to go for the show. And when she comes back and says like, that was my girlfriend and Candace said, I didn't know you had a girlfriend. And she's like, why would you? My response to that is, yeah, why would you know, Candace? that bet as a girlfriend because she's been fucking flirting with you since the moment you guys met. Exactly. And speaking of metaphors, the fact that Tina and Beck cannot hear each other that entire phone call. Hey, oh, that's a good one. Yep. A good one. Yep. It was just like, oh, look, it's a metaphor for your entire fucking relationship this season. Great. <laughs> cool. Well, I also love when Tina is telling the love story because, you know, um, Jenny is basically saying like, how do you meet a woman? Like, how do you successfully be with a woman? Like you're all telling these horror stories about your coming out experience and bad relationships. And like Jenny had just had this experience with all these women at Dinah Shore where she was reliving her whole experience with Marina. And Shane says like, Tina, like give us some hope here. Like tell your story about Bet. And I love when Tina... <laughs> Tina is trying to tell the story and Alice keeps interrupting her. Yes. <laughs> that moment, one of my favorite Laurel Holloman acting moments in the entire series is when Alice goes, you know, I helped her pick out that space or whatever. And she goes, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you just tell the just face like, she makes uh-huh. is just fabulous. And I love it. So another interesting, like, connection that I saw or that like I noticed that I had paid a lot of attention to is when they put the promo picks out for Gen Q season two that's particular one because they they had like the cast picture and like everyone wrote a quote right and so Bet's was it's all coming full circle and so Bet's whole storyline this season 
in season two of Gen Q is that she was just hired on as managing director and she's bringing in specifically like a lot of folks of color artists into this gallery for this big, whatever he is, the, the big dude, Uncle Nicky from This Is Us. And so <laughs> that's how I always will know him. I know, I'm just gonna call him Uncle Nicky the entire time. So Tina makes a, a comment when she's talking about the Bet Porter Gallery and she said, you know, Bet had this reputation for picking all the best artists. So to me, I know a lot of people are theorizing that there's a different meaning to this. It's all coming full circle. But to me, that is a very full circle moment for Bet that she's coming back to that. Like she's coming back to the earliest that we know of her in the art world. She is coming back to that, but like obviously at a much larger scale. And so I also love when they're like showing them meeting for the first time. Like I, I love this scene so much, but like Eric is talking, neither of these, neither of these women hear him. Like, no, Eric, just shut up. No one is hearing a word you said. Like it was, it no. was over before it started. Yep. Just total hard eyes at each other. Yeah, from exactly. Get go. Yeah, it was over. I also love Alice just in the background, really yes. exactly what's fucking happening. She clocked that from the second those two laid eyes on each other. She was like, oh, okay, this is happening. This yep. is a, this is a thing. Yep. And so we know, obviously, that that wasn't the only relationship that Tina ever has with a, another woman. But, you know, she says, like, what more could I want? You know, what more could I want but bet? And I think in a lot of ways, like, that is another good reminder that, like, Tina and Bet are really the whole package for each other. And I was talking about this this weekend that I think a lot of times if I can, you know, expand on the flaw of Tina Kennard, um, (laughs) which I don't do often, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to jump right in. I think that when Tina is fearful, when she's feeling like a, a need or desire of hers is not being met, she jumps very much into this like panic mode where she feels like she has to live her life in like a very heteronormal normative like sense right it it, it very much shifts from like okay bet is not leaving enough space for me in this relationship or bet is not hearing me or bet is not communicating with me or whatever it is right so she's like that that need is not being met so i'm out i'm gonna find somebody who will and so there's been some criticism about well why would tina leave bet for carrie who clearly takes up a lot of space in the room too, because she has a lot to say. The difference in my opinion is that Carrie might be very talkative and she might like have a lot of opinions on things, but the scene between Carrie and Tina to me is very much why I feel like Tina was drawn to Carrie because they're talking about like, you know, Carrie's talking about like her reflux and we're talking about moving to Mexico. And like, you can see in Tina's eyes that I think to her, if I could guess what she's thinking in that moment, it's, see, it doesn't have to be so hard. Yes. This is all very simple. And yes. it's never simple with Bet. No. They have amazing chemistry. They obviously have amazing sex. They have all of these things that draw them to each other, right? They love each other. They care for each other deeply. They are each other's number one fans. They have, they have such a bond. But like when it comes to them trying to be partners in a lot of ways, there always seems to be like this hump that they can't get over. So in my opinion, Tina is very much, she is very much guilty 
of this fight or flight response when it comes to like, this need is not being met. So I'm out, especially when it comes to yeah. bed. But then she realizes that, okay, maybe this need that she had at this, this point in her life, that's really strong is being met by this person, but she's never going to love anyone else the way that she loves bed. She's never going to, yeah. she's never going to see anyone else the way that she sees Bet, and Bet has so many flaws, and she definitely fucks up. But Bet even admits in Gen Q that she thought, even though Tina did leave, that she was just going to come back because that's how it's always been. And right. she's expressed many times, like I never thought she'd fall in love with somebody else. Well, yeah. my response to that is, well, you should have known that she would because she will always find somebody else to love but she will never love anyone else the way she loves Beth. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Tina's a very loving person. She has so much love to give. Of course she will love somebody else, Yeah. but she will never love anyone the way that she loves you. Yeah. And you just need to wake up and realize that. Yeah. And like when she was, you know, is Beth okay? Like she, yeah. She, again, she, that was in crisis. She came to her aid, you know, that is help it, you know, like, and even, you know, when you notice in Gen Q, when they're looking at each other at the bar, like, again, it, it is very similar, very similar eyes that they had with one yep. of the first met in that gallery. Like Gigi and Carrie were talking, but like, there wasn't a whole lot being heard between them. Like, yep. It's very, the magnetism. Yeah. They're very fixated on each other. So yeah yeah it's still there people it's okay yeah it's still very much there so on a totally separate note i think this is the only episode in the whole series where we ever see tina driving yes always oh, about driving <laughs> that wasn't yes. there so of course tina was behind the wheel yes and i don't know why i love her driving so much but i do yep also, Tina's level of pretending to be an extrovert is relatable as fuck. Because the whole episode, she's like so engaged with her friends and she's having a grand old time. And then she gets back to bed and she's like, oh my God, the entire time I just wanted to come home. And I was like, that is me at every social function ever. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the episode, um, Bet and Candace kiss. And again, we, we see the physical, you know, starting of this affair. At the gallery, which is a parallel I fucking hate. Yeah, it, that sucks. Although- it's At the gallery to... where it starts, and it's at the gallery where Tina finds out. Oh, you're right. That's true. You know what I do love about Bet and Tina's, like, first moment together, though, is that I love that it is just a kiss. Mm-hmm. And it's like a relatively like chaste kiss at that. Yeah. I don't even know why I love that so much for them, but I do. Well, I also, you know, we, we have obviously focused a lot since the start of the new series about like wanting to know what happened between, you know, the 10 years when they were married and divorced. But like, I also, I would love to know a little bit more about the beginning part of their relationship too. Like how, how did that all come to be? Like, how did Tina leave Eric and yeah. how soon did they move in with each other? And how, you know, like there's just a lot of questions. Um, yeah. Will we ever get the answers to them? I don't know. Maybe one day, you know, they'll do an interview with uh, Laurel and Jen and they'll answer them for us. But 
I don't know. Yeah. I think it's maybe because it's like, I mean, this is like the most nerdy, stupid, girly girl thing I could possibly say, but I feel like it's maybe because it's almost very fairy tale esque. Yeah. That just like sweet, soft kind of kiss. And I just kind of love that that's, that their relationship began with that kind of happily ever after kiss. I just think that's kind of really cute. I like that. Yeah. It's only going to get worse from here. Yeah. Let's, let's, we can end there. We can end on a happy note. We can. We certainly can. Um, We will see the second episode of Gen Q season two this Friday. And I'm very much looking forward to that too. More to come. Yeah. Yeah. Which Tina is not in, sadly. Yeah. We got to wait a couple episodes before we see her, but. Yeah. I think it's going to be five is the next. Yeah. But maybe they'll do the whole, you know, Tina on the phone thing like they did in season one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I hope so. So this has been All Things to Bet Podcast episode 20. We will be, well, I guess just to also give people like a forecast of what's to come. We will be wrapping up this season of All Things to Bet over the next two episodes. And we've talked kind of at length in other episodes and just like on social media about how our plan is to do an interview with like the older fans of the fandom that were around when the original series aired and like the newer fans the Gen Z folks who like came upon the show when it aired when Gen Q aired that will be the plan when we open up season two uh Taylor will be relocating from the U.S. back to Canada we will just be taking some time off from the podcast for a bit because we have a lot of new content going on right now with the show being on again. And, you know, I'm moving to another country and yeah. starting school again. And Brittany has a life and a job. And Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's just stuff going on. And the whole reason why we started this podcast is because we needed something to do when there wasn't any content. Now we have tons. So our plan will be to wrap up these two episodes um, wrap up the season and then we'll be back in you know, probably late fall, early winter for season two. So until next time, I'm Brittany. I'm Taylor. another episode of all things Tibet podcast hosted by myself Brittany and my other co-host Taylor you can find our main podcast page on anchor.fm slash all things Tibet you can find us on social media including Facebook Twitter and Instagram and the rest of the summer will include more interviews with other Tibet slash word creators We will be interviewing some OG and some newer Gen Q fans, and we'll continue through our review of season one of the original series. Thank you to all those who continue to listen, who have supported us, and make this podcast what it is. We love you all, and we'll see you next week.